For those who are visitors, we are um, <clears throat> going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we come to these verses this morning. We've looked at the Beatitudes, um, we've looked at uh, the influence of the people of God as salt and light, and then in verse 17 of chapter 5, Jesus said these words to the disciples and the crowds around. Do not think that I have come to do away with the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. I have not come to do away with them, but to make their teachings come true. Remember that as long as heaven and earth last, not the least point nor the smallest detail of the law will be done away with, not until the end of all things. So then, whoever disobeys even the least important of the commandments and teaches others to do the same will be least in the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, Whoever obeys the law and teaches others to do the same will be great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you then that you will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven only if you are more faithful than the teachers of the law and the Pharisees in doing what God requires. I have to say when we cut up the Sermon on the Mount, I wasn't looking forward to this particular bit. And we've uh, had a wonderful, I've had a wonderful time in this for about seven days and have learned lots and uh, has helped me journey through the week that's been. My title today is Be More Righteous Than the Righteous, which is what Jesus might be saying here. If we see the scene, we'll come to it in a moment. If we want to look at the Gospels, Jesus is constantly fighting arguing um, in uh, some sort of battle with these Pharisees. They're the ones that have the law. They're the ones that have religion. They're the ones that have the people. They're the ones in control of not only that, but political allegiances that have got them into a comfortable position in all kinds of ways. And most of what Jesus says seems to cut to the heart of who they are and challenge their power. And probably here, Jesus is starting off by saying, I know the rumors. The rumors are that I'm bringing something new compared to the Pharisees. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Because Pharisees are good people at spreading rumors. They're very good at making sure everybody finds out that little problem that somebody else has. They want to have control, and control comes from conformity and fear. So no doubt they've been saying, and this is early on in Matthew, we know it's the way Matthew's edited it, but it's early on in his account of Jesus' life. But already we can tell from what he says here that the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus, and Jesus saying, listen, whatever the rumors are, I'm not saying this is something new. This is something that comes right through our tradition. But then he finishes with those words. And early on, I think, Probably the people in the crowd, the fishermen, the tax collectors, and the other ordinary people were a bit encouraged. Blessed are you of your poor in spirit. I can deal with that. I'm poor in spirit, you know. But here he says to them, you've got to listen to this in the context of the day. You've got to be more righteous than the righteous. Now, whatever we say about the Pharisees, and we're going to say many things, they were trying by the letter of the law to be as holy as you could be in that time. And Jesus was saying, 
You're not going into heaven until you exceed the law-keeping of the Pharisees. What does this mean? Let's try to unpack it a little bit. John Stott, and uh, you'll find that Stott's um, commentary will be one that Jonathan and I will turn to very often. He divides this um, particular text that we've just read into two parts. Number one, Christ's relationship with the law, which we've just said. Christ is saying very clearly here, I haven't come to do away with it. I've come to fulfill it. We'll look at that in a moment. And then secondly, our relationship with the law. Be more righteous than the righteous. So let's unpack it in that kind of way. Here's my take on it, and I've shared this with you before, but uh, I love it when people say at different times, as Steve often says. Now, they don't say, Steve's repeated this more than once, which is very kind of them. But I've heard it a few times, as Steve, Steve often says. And uh, so I, I've learned over three and a half years that actually, you have to often say, because I have no ego to think you remember what I talked about last week. Um, let me go through this, and I have said it before. But let me read Galatians first, and then we'll come into it. Trying to think of this in a few passages. We've read Isaiah. We've looked at this story with the prostitute, and we'll come to those. Here's Galatians and what Paul's relationship with this law and being more righteous than the righteous, what he says about it. What I'm saying is that as long as heirs are underage, they are no different from slaves, although they own the whole estate. They are subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by their fathers. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, and the spirit who calls us Abba Father, so you are no longer slaves, but God's children. And since you are his children, he has made you heirs. So what Paul's saying in this passage in Galatians is that the relationship is that the law was there while we were underage, while we were children. And now we're sons and daughters and we've grown up. So what's the story I always go back to? It's the stockman crossing the road with the children. Many a time on the Lisburn Road, particularly maybe on a Saturday morning, but every time we crossed the road when the girls were young and even still, but we haven't realized they're not just as young as they were, you'll do this probably even when they're 40. I imagine my mum reaches out to hold my hand when we're crossing the road and I'm over 50. But when we got to the curb... We stopped at the curb, we held the girls' hands, and we told them meticulously. You look both ways, you listen, you make sure nothing's coming, and you go straight across and you don't run, and you keep looking and listening as you go. Every time. Very religious. Very legalistic. Had to be. Now, it struck me one morning, as we were heading up, I think, to Cranmore Park from Daravolgi Avenue, and I wanted to nip over for a Q magazine. It was the days of Q magazine. It's probably mojo now for me. But I wanted to get across to that little news agents that's no longer there that I miss so much. And so I took off across the road and took off back across the road and met the family further on up the road. And there was this question. Why did you not stand at the curb and look both ways and listen? Why did you cross when there were cars coming and actually dodged the cars as you were crossing. And I didn't keep the underage 
legalism of the law. But the fact that I'm here today and crossed the Lisburn Road twice on a Saturday morning suggests that though I didn't keep it legalistically, I kept it. Because that law had become bigger than the legalism and the security and the safety that's needed when you're young to use it in kind of jazz-like avant-garde ways. But I must have been looking and listening. I must have been careful as I crossed because as I remember, not one horn was honked as I did it. That is, I think, what we're into here. We move as we grow in our spirituality from children to adults and beyond. Philip Yancey, in his three ways that spiritual life develops, talks about being children, becoming adults, and then he talks about us becoming parents in the spiritual way. When you're young, you need to be taught the ways of the kingdom in some more legalistic kind of ways. As you come into adulthood with the Spirit, you suddenly are able to do as you do when you're crossing the road, and you can think through what ways we should do here, but you don't let go of the law. The law just becomes something that as an adult, you're more able to deal with in the dilemmas that you have on each day. In those days this week, when we will all write in the sand, what was Jesus doing writing in the sand? There's all kinds of ideas. But one of them might have been that he was going through the scriptures in his own mind and thinking, what way do I deal with this? How do I work this? What's the best way? I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but I'm not going to let the law go. And then we become parents where he means that we actually get to that stage where we're starting to nurture the children. We become the elders of the congregation. We become those that are self-sufficient enough not to need feeding from above, and we're the ones who begin to feed and nurture. I think it's like this. We move from the letter of the law as we grow in the faith to the spirit of the law. We move from our attempts at righteousness to God working his righteousness in us. I remember, and it comes into most of this sermon really, but uh, I remember a debate in the old days of my webpage with a Someone from another denomination, and Chris has rightfully prayed forgiveness, 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 and forbearance. So let me just use it as an illustration. This person had gone out to check everything on my webpage, and they'd concluded a lot of things. Why does Steve speak at interfaith? Why does Steve believe in interfaith events? Because he'd spoken at the Greenbelt Festival. Why does Steve believe in gay marriage? Because he'd spoken in a Um, Episcopalian Church in Alabama. Why does Steve, why does Steve, why does Steve? So I do what I do in those situations. I go off, peace as I call it, and just sent a nice message by email and just said, look, let me start by saying I'm not perfect, so I want to throw down the stones using the illustration that we read. And they immediately come back and said, oh, no, 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 the illustration about throwing down the stones and not being perfect, that's only to do with adultery doesn't have to do with anything else. What? I was so encouraged. I thought I can be a judgmental wee swine and everything else except a doctor. 
But they had been trying desperately to keep the letter of the law to the point that the spirit of the law had been lost. I think this is what Jesus is on. Those who want the letter of the law to this and they miss the spirit of the law around about it. What's happening here? J.C. Ryle. You're expecting Mumford and Sons. J.C. Ryle. Now let me explain to the Mumford and Sons fans that actually J.C. Ryle is an older, wise theologian that uh, should be quoted more probably than Mumford and Sons for sure. But he says in this particular situation, the Old Testament is the gospel in the bud. The New Testament is the gospel in full flower. The Old Testament is the gospel in the blade. The New Testament is the gospel in the full ear. Jesus is coming not to take away all that God has taught us about how to live in his ways, but to make this a fulfillment. We couldn't have done it. We can now with Christ. And the way we do it with Christ is different than we did with the legalism. It's no longer tight rules and crossing the road or anything else. It's now the freedom and form, as Francis Schaeffer used to call it. Freedom and form of road crossing, where you don't have to be legalistic, but you have to keep the law or, and then you come to be able to nurture others. Our relationship with the law. This week in the week of Christian unity at many of the events, people have been reading what the theme is this year, which is, what does God require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Micah chapter six. And the Pharisees shouldn't have been surprised at what Jesus was saying here. Because in Micah chapter 6, it talks about the people who were being legalistic. They think they're bringing their burnt offerings, that's enough. They're thinking they're doing this bit of fasting on that day, and that's enough. They think they're doing these songs, and that's enough. And God's saying, no, 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 no. What I require is all those laws becoming alive, becoming a spirit, becoming active, becoming energized. I want you to act justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. And you see what happens then? If we do those things, we keep the law. Isaiah chapter 58, which Philip read earlier, the whole idea that live 58, when we showed it upstairs and when uh, Chris Hunter took us through that study that evening, live 58, Isaiah 58 is so important to that whole tear fund campaign. And I imagine as we read it today, after we'd prayed about what would happen if as this new if campaign starts uh, around us at the moment, that it comes some ways from this. All the people are trying again to do this and hear, get God to hear them because they're trying to keep these laws. But they're keeping laws by the cold, dead letter of the law. And God said, no. I don't want it to be the cold, dead letter of the law. I want it to be the living spirit of the law. So can you go and feed the hungry and look after the oppressed? And then, then, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Jesus and the prostitute. What's going on in that story? I happened this week to spend some time with an Orthodox Jew over um, coffee. And um, this story came up and uh, he was saying to me, um, he was saying, yes, you know, in, in our law, if to be caught in the act of adultery and to be charged, you had to be caught in the act by two witnesses. So what's going on here? And then I was having coffee with Michael Sentence, and we were just chatting over some things, and this passage came up, and, and Michael was saying, I mean, were they, were, they, were they in the cupboards? 
They'd set this up. Was it actually maybe even a Pharisee who was after this woman because the man doesn't appear? What were they saying? Now, this woman's a... We've got to get her. So if we want to get her, we've got to... Let's set this up. Because for them, the letter of the law was that which was going to be their justification. The letter of the law was that which was going to be their spiritual power. So we've got to get them. Trying to catch Jesus out comes even in the passage that we read. The letter of the law. Jesus takes a whole different approach to the whole thing. And it comes to us today. As we go out for people, as we try to catch people, as we try to make sure they're not as holy as us, those who are perfect cast the first stone. Pharisees were exclusive. You had to do these things to get in. They were stuck and fixed in the way they read it. They were asking everyone to conform to their likeness and they were fear mongers. John Stoughton, I think he might be just pushing it a bit in this one. Can I say that? He says that this whole sermon is based around chapter 6 and verse 8. Do not be like them. In other words, it's all based on the Pharisees were this and I want you not to be like those Pharisees. Maybe. But here's the deal for us today as we come to conclude. The letter of the law, it seems to me, is intuitively how we live. We want the law. We want labels. We want pigeonholes. We want boundaries. We want to know. We want to catch. We want to, they're not as as we It just seems to be within the fallen nature of humanity that we want to intuitively set up our Torah. Tony Davison at the Justification uh, Statement uh, Seminar this week down at St. Patrick's as part of the Four Corners Festival, he said that we in evangelical Protestantism have our Torah. Justification by faith is our Torah. But then he said that justification by faith is the hinge on which the door to God opens on for Protestants. But we've taken the hinge off the door and we now worship the hinge. We're not interested in the door. It's all about justification by faith. Nobody else can be in because we have made the letter of the law our idol and our God. And there's something within us that does that. We set up our own little Torahs and we make sure everybody needs to conform to our little Torah before we can welcome them into whatever. We love exclusivity and pigeonholes. Are they evangelical? Are they ecumenical? Are they charismatic? Are they liberal? We love them. It's part of who we are. And we love defending ourselves, usually by saying, well, we're a bit better than them, because you know what they did. It's worse than what I did. Something in the intuitive way that we go about things seems to just lean towards that. And what Jesus is saying here is, the Holy Spirit comes, I have come, everything is different. We now have the power within us to be counterintuitive. The Spirit, living God's ways beyond the letter of the law, that transcends the letter of the law. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you in one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 6, in that other sermon, he's saying, listen, it's easy to keep the law, but I'm asking you to do more than keep the law. It's the law plus the spirit of God's ways. It's not a cold letter. It's a living, breathing, transcendent, extraordinary, supernatural love, grace, mercy. Forgive, 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 and forbear. Because the law is not about us. It's about others. It's not stopping me from stealing from them. It's about them not being stolen from. But we love to make it about us. Whereas this is us off a throne and serving God and others. Fulfilling the law by loving justice, mercy, by freeing the oppressed. By being about in our lives all those things that love. Let me finish with this one. I think I've done it before, but it's a good one. Neighbours. Does anybody still watch Neighbours? Look at that. In 1987, I got up one morning in a primary school in Antrim and I said, who saw the wedding yesterday? What wedding? I didn't have to say. Before I said yesterday, every hand in the primary school was up. Because they had all seen Scott and Charlene getting married. Many of you saw Scott and Charlene getting married, but 25 years later, because you've grown out of childhood of faith and into adulthood of faith, thankfully you don't watch it any longer. But anyway, everybody knew. Well, at the same time Scott and Charlene were getting married, teenagers and skateboards going off to school getting married, his brother Paul, do you remember him? He was getting married because he wanted a deal with a Japanese businessman. And there was a scene in Neighbours where Paul Robinson in his office pulls open his drawer and takes out the marriage contract and reads it to check that he's doing what he needs to do to keep the marriage. On the other side, in the next scene, Charlene's jumping out the bedroom window because she's been grounded so as she can see her soon intended husband round the side of the Robinson's house. Two ideas of marriage. One legalistic. Contract in the drawer. Am I keeping all this stuff? The other, a love and a passion and a reality going on deep within that wants to give self to other. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Be more righteous than the righteous because they're just trying to keep the commandments and they'll not be able to. But if you love me, you will obey my commandments with energy, with passion, with a life-giving vitality that will not be just for you, but for everyone else. 
intuitive, counterintuitive. Letter of the law, spirit of the law. Keeping the commandments, or if you love me. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us when we become Pharisees, when we ask others to conform, when we have our own little Torahs that become our idols, when we worship the hinges and forget about the door, when it's all about us justifying ourselves and not about showing the love of God to others. This, Lord, does not take away the law. It fulfills it. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to fulfill it. By coming into relationship with you and neighbor and enemy and doing what you require. Lead us into such truth, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.